I'm Paul from Thirst Counselling and welcome to a Thirst Counsellor podcast, a series of blogs, readings and audio meanderings through the world of mental health and well-being. Hello there and welcome to uh, another episode. In this week's episode I wanted to have a think about what counselling is and talk a little bit about it, talk a little bit about maybe some different approaches. Um, and I guess I'm going to be looking at this from my perspective. You know, What does it mean um, to get to a point where you need to, where you feel you need to access counselling? Uh, and what might those first steps look like? Uh, and some recommendations when it comes to looking for a therapist. Um, so we're going to look at counselling in this episode. Uh, focusing in on a person who's maybe never had counselling before or has maybe experienced a, a difficult counselling relationship um, and explore some of the issues around that that might come up for people. So uh, I hope you're looking forward to listening to the episode and we'll move on to the first part. So what is a counsellor? I guess my understanding of a counsellor is it's a professional that you arrange to see in a contracted and boundaried relationship to discuss problems and difficulties and to help you move through whatever your issues are. The first time I saw a counsellor was through the NHS um, when I've been diagnosed with depression and it was quite uncomfortable, I guess. Um, I, I didn't know what to expect. I'd had a form of counselling when I'd been in a rehabilitation centre. However, this was my first sort of like a official weekly meeting timetabled appointments with a, a professional who I hadn't met before and who I was expected, I felt, to form some kind of bond, some kind of relationship with. And the interesting is, I, I can't even remember her name. Um, I remember she had quite spiky hair. And uh, she was pretty cool. And uh, she helped me get a bit of an understanding about myself. Um, I remember going to see her at first and feeling really quite small and um, quite uncomfortable. And by the end of our... I want to say eight or ten sessions and I was a lot more relaxed coming into the room and sitting down um, and the process that had taken place had been uh, in- incredibly challenging and changing for me you know uh, we developed this relationship to, you know which included you know learning to trust her and just being really really open you know but it had taken time you know so for me Counselling is about a a relationship which is built on trust and if the counsellor isn't able to kind of provide those conditions which allow or allowed me as the client to feel it's okay to be open and and to just kind of say things here, even things that I felt were quite shocking, um, that wasn't able to have been in place, then I don't think I ever would have opened up, I don't think I ever would have spoken as openly as what I did. 
So counselling is a an unusual relationship. It could also be seen as akin to a friendship. However, this person, this counsellor, isn't your friend. Um, and they only know what you tell them. And you know very little about them. You know, the, the, the way the counsellor, or the way I am as a counsellor in the room with the clients, is that they only know what I show them. And I do show aspects of myself. Uh, I'm very genuine, I'm very congruent. However, I'm not talking about myself. That's where it differs from a friendship, from a relationship that I have with, with colleagues and with loved ones. Um, there's a professional boundary in place. It might not always be noticeable to the client. Um, however, it's, it's very noticeable to me. I know as a counsellor I'm not, I'm not the friend. I'm not their partner. I'm not their relative. I'm a professional entity that's there to help them gain a better understanding of themselves and of their experience. Development is not about learning how to counsel, but about becoming the kind of person who can counsel. By David Means person-centered counseling in action. So what is a client? I guess a client is anyone who feels that they have reached a point in their life where they need to speak to someone. They need to process something, an issue, a difficulty, a trauma. Uh, cope with something that they're finding is stopping them from living their day-to-day -day life. Client can be of any age, from any culture, any background. And just might be someone who needs to have some space. I don't know if clients know what to expect from counselling. Or sometimes understand what counselling is. I think when I first went for counselling, I was just going to go and speak to somebody. I'd had therapy in a rehabilitation programme. But when I first went for NHS counselling, I went to sit with a stranger. And the idea of telling him my deepest, darkest secrets was quite strange. But I'd reached a point where I didn't think I could talk to my friends. I figured that they would be telling me what to do or what they think that they would do. Um, and I, I needed someone to listen and not tell me what to do. Because I knew what to do. I just needed to find that thing in me that would help me to get over the hurdles in order to do it or to... I had so many different options in my head I needed some help in clarifying which was the right choice for me. So a client is someone who doesn't know where else to go or doesn't feel that the places where they've been before has provided the right answers. 
And so they choose to seek out a therapist, a counsellor of some description. Irvin D. Yalom is a world-renowned psychotherapist. He's written a great number of books around death and dying, uh, and a particularly wonderful book which I felt would be quite relevant for this particular theme is his book The Gift of Therapy, an open letter to, to new counsellors and therapists. And what's particularly great about this book is that it is written in short digestible chapters based on his own experience as a psychotherapist working with a whole range of patients and clients and it's um, very simply written in a uh, in in very personal language rather than in therapeutic language or in clinical language and I wanted to give you a little bit of a taste of that with a reading from chapter 4 Engage the Patient A great many of our patients have conflicts in the realm of intimacy and obtain help in therapy sheerly through experiencing an intimate relationship with a therapist Some fear intimacy because they believe there is something basically unacceptable about them something repugnant and unforgivable Given this, the act of revealing oneself fully, fully to another and still being accepted may be the major vehicle of therapeutic help. Others may avoid intimacy because of fears of exploitation, colonisation or abandonment. For them too, the intimate and caring therapeutic relationship that does not result in the anticipated catastrophe becomes a corrective emotional experience. Hence, nothing takes precedence over the care and maintenance of my relationship to the patient and I attend carefully to every nuance of how we regard each other. Does the patient seem distant today, competitive, inattentive to my comments? Does he make use of what I say in private but refuse to acknowledge my help openly? Is she overly respectful, obsequious, too rarely voicing any objections or disagreements, detached or suspicious, do I enter his dreams or daydreams? What are the words of imaginary conversations with me? All these things I want to know and more. I never let an hour go by without checking into our relationship. Sometimes with a simple statement like, how are you and I doing today? Or how are you experiencing the space between us today? Sometimes I ask the patient to project herself into the future. Imagine a half hour from now, you're on your drive home, looking back upon our session. How will you feel about you and me today? What will be the unspoken statements or unasked questions about our relationship today? The book, like I said, is written in very simple, digestible chunks. And for any counsellor or therapist who is in training, it's a, a wonderful little Bible. For qualified counsellors and therapists, it's equally rewarding a read. I think for people who are maybe looking into counselling for them it's a good insight into maybe what to expect from a therapist and 
and maybe can get you to ask those questions of yourself before you first come for your own first counselling session. So that's The Gift of Therapy by Irvin D. Yalom. So what are the benefits of accessing counselling for someone who's never been to see a counsellor before? I guess the first benefit that kind of comes to mind is just having a space, having somewhere that you can go to that's your own, that's for you, where you're not going to be pulled away by a phone call or by a child or, or by someone needing your attention. You have that opportunity to talk or to not talk, to just sit um, and reflect, you know, in, in, in a space that's being held by a counsellor. To talk about anything that you need to talk about, to get things off your chest. And in today's day-to-day life, that is so difficult to find that space without the distractions of people and televisions and mobile phones and internets and social media to completely allow yourself that that hour once a week to focus on where you are and how you're feeling. Um, and it's a real opportunity to kind of stop and look at your past and look at your present and look at the direction that you're going in. And to ask those questions, you know, is this where I want to be? Is this how I want to be? And if it isn't, you know, how can I find a way to to go forward? It's a, uh, I found counselling personally, as a a client, a a comforting space and a challenging space too. Because it's a place where I've had to stop and really take a look at myself. And I've not always liked what I've seen. Um, but because I felt that it's a safe place, you know, I've been able to kind of look at myself and, and then find a way to move forward. A Chinese philosopher, Confucius, once said, to put the world in order, we must first put the nation in order. To put the nation in order, we must first put the family in order. To put the family in order, we must first cultivate our personal life. We must first set our hearts right. So, what kind of counselling do I do? Um, I guess if people listening to this are looking for a counsellor, in the first area, I should talk about that. I trained in uh, person-centred counselling, although it was also an integrated course. We'd also looked at solution-focused brief therapy and rapid emotive behavioural therapy. So though very much my training was in person-centred and integrating other therapies, I guess I would say that I am very much a person-centred therapist. I call my approach piscatorial therapy. Uh, Piscator is an angler fisherman, which uh, I endeavour to be. 
and uh, a therapist is someone who, who sits down with people and tries to help them to change. Now, it was a while ago when I was out fishing one day when I realised that the way that I try to fish is with very limited practical things. I have my rod and line and one or two baits. And I try to keep it very simple. I try to focus on the environment and I endeavour to try and make a connection. And I realise that that's how I work as a therapist. I will sit there with a client and endeavour to make a connection. It was Carl Rogers who said that given the right conditions, everyone has the capacity to change. And I believe that as a counsellor, you know, if I provide those conditions of empathy and congruence, safety and security and genuineness, if I provide that safe space for the client, the client will feel adequately held enough that they're able to explore their story, their issue, and come to their own conclusions, and that connection will be made. And so although my training is predominantly person-centred, my approach does differ and waver slightly from the the true sense of person-centred therapy. Because like the river I'm sat in front of now, it's constantly changing, it's ebbing and flowing. And sometimes I might use a particular bait when I'm fishing, and that will help me make the connection. Or sometimes I might realise that I need to change my tactic slightly. Maybe offer a, a different bait in order to make the connection. So I call it piscatorial therapy. And it's very much based on making a connection with, with another person. There are so many different types of counselling that people can access. Um, there is cognitive behavioural therapy, CBT, which is quite often offered by the NHS. And this is a short-term approach to therapy which focuses on your thinking patterns. Um, it helps you to identify unhelpful thinking patterns and thinking errors or cognitive thinking errors um, and gets you to challenge those and to to look at reframing those and changing those thinking patterns as well as looking at your behaviors um, and how you might behave in certain situations and, and looks at ways in which you can change that behavior so it's very much about um, your cognitions your thoughts and your behaviors and within that, it, it looks at your, your feelings and your emotions. Um, it's quite a, a challenging and, and quite a confrontational way of working. Uh, it usually involves homework. So uh, a, a CBT therapist will, when working with you, will give you tasks and homework for you to go away and complete. And, and it's upon the onus of the client to go away and actually put these strategies and to use these worksheets and these 
little approaches into practice so that you can go and report on them and look at how they've been beneficial. Um, CBT is very, very well evidence-based and research-based uh, and has a lot of positive effects. It's not for everyone, but it works really quite effectively. It works very good uh, around uh, depression and particularly around anxiety. Um, another approach or counselling approach or type of counselling that you might come across is something known as person-centred therapy. And whereas CBT may be more time-limited, person-centred therapy is more open-ended. It's It doesn't have a... It's not goal-orientated. Um, it's very much about what the clients, what you bring to the room. The counsellor is there to listen and to reflect and to facilitate that space. And, and it's to allow you the time and the opportunity to find the answers to your difficulties, to your issues. Um, it's a very, it can be quite a long-winded process, um, but it can be a very um, gentle yet challenging journey. And solution-focused brief therapy works along the similar lines to CBT, whereas instead of focusing on what the problem is, and quite often um, we can be focused on what's the problem, when do you have the problem, how do you feel when you have the problem. Uh, Solution-focused therapy will be focusing on, on the solutions, uh, solutions that have worked in the past. Might be asking questions like, um, tell me about the problem. Now tell me about when you don't have the problem. Because that's the headline, that's that's the bit that we want to be looking at. When do you not experience anxiety? Let's talk about that, let's explore that a little bit more and let's look at what your coping strategies are on the days or on the times when you're not feeling anxious or when you're not feeling depressed and how can we use those attributes in other parts of your life when you are experiencing the distress. Um, I quite like solution-focused therapy because it, it uses the, the client's own capacity and the client's own um, already existing coping strategies uh, to, to further move the client forward. There are many other different types of therapy. And if you are looking for a counsellor, it's important when you go to counselling to ask the counsellor what what is it that you practice? How will you work with me? How can you support me? What approach do you use? And there's lots of information on the internet that can help you understand these different models and these different approaches. But don't be afraid to ask your counsellor how their approach works and how they use their approach and how that's going to benefit you. The curious paradox is that when I accept myself just as I am, then I can change. Carl Rogers on Becoming a Person, a Therapist's View of Psychotherapy. Might also be useful for people to know what to expect when they first get in touch and go and visit a counsellor. You may contact by email or by text 
or by telephone. And if you speak on the phone, you may get a sense of what the counsellor sounds like. Whether it's a male or a female counsellor, you may have gone on the website, which might give information. Might give you a sense of whether or not you could talk to this person. And that in itself is a big step to make that first contact, that telephone call, that email. And the client is very much in control at this point. The counsellor knows how difficult it can be to to access counselling and you know that what a huge step that it is for someone to, to make that first call. And equally when you first meet with a counsellor, the counsellor will usually introduce themselves, I certainly do, and then talk about the contracts, the therapeutic contract. And this is something that most counsellors will have. They might talk about the fact that they're a member of a professional body and then should then go through the contract talking about what the client can expect from the counsellor, what the counsellor is offering and also the expectations of the client to turn up at the agreed time to give notice if they can't attend, to pay if that's what's required of that particular therapist or that particular service and once that is spoken about and both counsel and clients agree the contract is then signed and and you as the client should also get a copy of that so you can take it away and look at it and hopefully if there's a second session the counsellor will, will revisit it and say were you okay did you have any questions and then the remainder of that first session is is yours it's for you to use it's your time it's your space and that might be the beginning of telling your story or starting to think and work towards what it is that you want to get out of counselling but it is your time and it is your space and it's really important to remember that the counsellor is there to support you the counsellor is there in service of the client So, hopefully that's given people a little bit of an insight as to what counselling is, uh, how it can be beneficial, some different types of counselling, and particularly my approach and, and how I see counselling. It's an opportunity for people to find themselves and to be themselves. So until next time, take care and look after yourselves. And here we are at the outro. I'd like to thank everyone who's listened. Um, it's nice to see that there's people downloading it and listening to the to the podcast. Uh, uh, gives me a reason to kind of keep going. Uh, if you if you like what I'm saying or you have any ideas or any topics, you can in- email me at info at firstcounselling.co.uk or alternatively, you can tweet me at t underscore counselling at t underscore counselling I'll be back uh, in another episode talking about some other aspects of mental health and well-being Uh, please feel free to review this 
on your podcast app and uh, give it a couple of stars. Uh, and if you want to share it with other people and that, if you think other people might be interested, please feel free to do that. Um, thanks very much for listening. Sincerely yours, a first counsellor. <laughs>